What's going on, ladies and gents, and welcome to episode 62 of the Fuel for Football podcast. I'm your host, Sanchez Bailey, and I'm happy to be here today. Um, not that I'm never usually, <laughs> but I'm happy. I've been looking forward to this episode. Hope everyone's well, and it's becoming like a custom thing of mine now to, to cheers at the start of the episode, so I might as well maintain it. I'm actually really thirsty. Just done a bit of a crazy workout. Cheers. Goodness me, what am I like? All right, and so I really want to speak on the topic. This might need to also, you know, as I, as I often say as well, this might also have to go into another episode as time goes on. But I really want to speak about this because it's been pressing me a little bit. And, you know, my my engagement in football has been probably improved of recent weeks. Um, maybe because the clocks have changed. So, you know, an hour later... Um, for a nighttime kickoff has a less harsh effect on me. So I'm able to catch a few more games. But anyway, um, recently, as you know, you know who I <laughs> follow, Arsenal played a game <laughs> against Crystal Palace, I believe it was, right? And it's inspi- it inspired, it might not even have been Crystal Palace, you know. I think it was. It inspired a the episode, really. And the topic of this episode is when the coach loses faith in you. Because that's a horrible place to be in or a not ideal place to be in. When the coach has clearly lost faith in you, what do you do? How do you handle that? How do you handle it mentally? How do you handle it physically? How, do, how does it affect your morale? And sometimes, without me being ignorant, sometimes we kind of... As players, well, players can think the worst. So I'll give you an example. I, at one period of time, I worked with a Tottenham Academy player. And I remember he was left out of the squad. Um, and he, gosh, I can't remember. I can't really recall this accurately. But I believe his initial thoughts weren't the best re- reaction to it. And then we had a session, we spoke about it. And, you know, there's so many reasons why he left, could have left you out of the club. Why, does it have, why do we have to choose the reason that they don't rate you? You know, um, and, you know, we explore some of the other factors that it could have been, you know, so that it takes less of a blow on questioning yourself. Why do you question yourself rather than, you know, maybe considering that this is a polit- political situation, it could have been tactical, but maybe the coach was forced to, you know, or maybe the coach had better plans. And I believe the player played up in, in the next um, group. And so he was quite happy with that. But then it was a great opportunity for us to look back and be like, look, can we, can we see how maybe you could overre- overreact when the coach doesn't do something that you expect? You know, so I do understand that there are occasions where it's very blatant, where the coach has shown that he's you're not in his favour. But there are some times when maybe we could overthink it. I wanted to preface that. That was my preface. Now I want to focus on young Nuno Tavares. I don't know where he's from, actually. He's nationality. Let's just say he's Portuguese. Sounds sounds it right. Or maybe Angolan originally. Who knows? Um, I could research that probably after the episode. So Nuno Tavares, he started, you know, in the absence of Kieran Tierney, um, left back for Arsenal against Crystal Palace. But I'm honestly, he had pre- a pretty bad game. 
I also think back to, I think, a Liverpool game um, a few months ago now. This was before I returned to the UK, I think. So maybe November, December times, when he had an awful game too. I think he contributed to a couple goals for Liverpool. Anyway, um, dreadful game, taken off at half-time. Then there was talks as to whether he would play the next game, whether he will be risked again, or do you make the gamble as an Arsenal coach sacrifice your midfield and play Granit Xhaka who has played left back before but he's favoured in the midfield you've already lost another midfielder in Thomas Partey gosh I sound like an AFTV um, analysis guy gosh anyway I'm going to get right to it there's a message in here (laughs) but then he plays Xhaka over Tavares so you're a left back and someone in midfield is playing left back because the manager doesn't want to play you they, they suffer a defeat and the manager was largely criticised because he sacrificed the midfield, essentially, just so that the left-back position was um, taken care of. Let's take it back even further when he first came in. I remember when he came in, he looked pretty decent. I think he scored in his debut. He had a lot of promise, promising uh, features about him. I believe Curantini was injured at the start of the season and it, and it was a comfortable uh, filling fill it in um, where you know there was confidence in him being able to fill the shoes at least for the time being and I believe there was a point when it was like Kieran Tierney wasn't guaranteed to to return back into the left back position because he was doing so well along came a couple of negative or un uh, inspiring performances should I say and I believe it's knocked on him a little bit so anyway getting taken off half time then having a midfielder taking your position it seems as if the coach is not in your favour. Thankfully, he started on a weekend. But how does that feel? How does that feel that a whole other person in the position who is not the greatest left-back anyway, um, very erratic, has taken your place because of you um, not being able to perform so well? Now, how do we react? As human beings, you often question yourselves. One, we don't even praise ourselves very often. So for, for a group of human beings that don't praise themselves very often have a negative scenario come, you're going to be overly critical of yourself because you're not even rating and praising yourself as much as we should do anyway. So it's easy for you to question yourself. It's easy for you to, you know, be very critical and maybe even question your ability. Easy. That's easy. It's almost a human, uh, human nature for us to respond that way. At the same time, there's so many, there are a few factors. It's quite difficult in Nuno's scenario there are some factors that you can almost consider as an alternative way of thinking so initially our natural instincts would be I'm not good enough right however there is another perspective that you could look at yes he hasn't performed well yes he hasn't done the greatest yes the coach may be a little bit hesitant to encourage or facilitate much um, of those similar level of performances but you can question yourself and interpret that and say you're not good enough or maybe there can be an interpretation that could be more on the likes of there's more that I can do there's a lot more to there's a lot more that I can offer there's more to come from me and let's think about the the connotations of such thought processes you saying I'm not good enough makes you then think that your ability cannot be complementary to the team. You go into a match thinking that you're not good enough is not going to be uh, productive for anybody. 
However, having a mindset in the same situation, you being taken off, you having a midfielder take your position, you can interpret that scenario with a phrase such as, there's more I can do. This mindset allows you to create almost mini agendas in order for you to, to set yourself some targets or give you things to work on. But by saying you're not good enough kind of leaves it there. It's kind of a, a climatic experience. Whereas having saying that there's more to do leaves there to be room for development, leaves there for agendas to be set, leaves there, leaves an opportunity for you to instantly actually change that, right? It gives an opportunity for you to do that. And it doesn't seem very dramatic of a change than the mindset of you saying, I'm not good enough. Then if you then perform good enough, then it's a dramatic experience. Whereas you saying that there's more for you to do or that there's more that you can do facilitates and allows um, a dramatic improvement to have instantaneously or progressively. That is one of the things that needs to be uh, changed. If you want, if you feel like you are falling out of favour of your coach, it's how you interpret. Because that then affects how you carry on in terms of your behaviour, your mindset, your body language and all the things that can follow all come from this interpretation, right? It changes everything. It changes how your, your level of involvement in training. It changes the way you even see training. It changes that warm-up. It changes your walkout. It changes so much just from the way you interpret it. So that's step one. And very similar to the submax mentality. I think that was episode four, and I did a submax, uh, second submax episode around the 30s, I believe. Can't believe I remember that. But speaking with the coach. Now, there's a way that you can speak to the coach that can be disastrous. <laughs> but there's a way that you can speak to the coach that can be empowering. Let me expand. There's a way that you can speak to the coach that makes it clear that you're not confident or you're questioning your ability. There's a way that you can, you, by, by you speaking to a coach and maybe asking what you can improve on, already implies that you're not good enough. Whether you mean that or not, that's what the coach takes from you. So if you go to the coach and ask, what do I need to improve on? That sounds like someone who's begging for money, essentially. It sounds quite dramatic, but... It doesn't sound attractive. It doesn't make me want to, to, to play you. And there are some coaches that may see past that and not, might not take that. Because really, a, a player should be asking that. But by asking it and using those words, those lexical choice, choices that you make, what do I need to improve on, kind of implies that you don't know. And also implies that, there's thing, that you already know that there's things that are missing. Even though that may be true, you can phrase this in a way which is a bit more assured. You can uh, phrase this in a way that's a little bit more controlled. You can phrase it in a way that you're actually trying to adjust for the coach's like liking. So let's just say a left back has, um, you know, typically defensive, um, wide and crosses, for an example. Just something simple. You're the expert. You can probably fill in those gaps better for me. However, this another coach may want a, a left-back to be more attacking, to maybe be more inverted, engage in the play, um, and, and press. Right? So you, you could ask the, the way... You could ask the coach things to adapt in your game which can appear as you adjusting to the coach's liking rather than 
being the person who's trying to improve their game, even though they have the same underlying tone. So instead of you saying, coach, what do I need to improve on? Phrases such as, coach, what do you need in your left back? Right? Can you see how that changes? You're making it become his criteria rather than your criteria. You know? Coach, what more do you want from your left backs? So it takes you out of the scenario and places the other left backs in the scenario too. So it it has nothing to do with you. What do you want in your left backs? Questions phrased this way, it shows that you actually are trying to adjust the coaches like him rather than you appearing not good enough. And you asking the question, what do I need to improve on, can actually lead you and dig you a, a greater grave where you are less and less in his favor or less and less considered, right? But by asking these things shows that you're actually trying to match his philosophy. Things that he wants to see in his team, you're willing to actually go through that. And obviously, once he shares these parts of the game and his likings and the things that he prefers, you work to implement that in training, complement that with your skill sets. Here we have you working to become more in favour. And another thing, actually, this is something that really needs to happen before and, and every player needs to do this. You need to almost have a little rating of yourself. So break down some of the key features of a left back or a player in your position. Maybe it could be your pressing, the timing, the headering, maybe your touch, your passing, your range of passing and so many different aspects of your game and score yourself out of 10, rate yourself and maybe compare um, yourself to the standard in your league. That could be maybe your threshold or maybe it could be to your, um, the player that you admire the most. Score yourself out of 10 and then you can see the areas that you really possess ultimate uh, um, prowess, right? And you can identify the areas that you may need to improve in your game. And when, let's just say, an incident happens where you're taken off at half time, you already know what you possess and you already know what skill sets you deliver so that no matter what negative scenario happens to you, you can kind of go back to that war chest that you have and your arsenal, no pun, um, where you can comfort yourself, so to speak, with your ability. And, and there's less things to question yourself on because you already have this assurance that of your ability. However, obviously there might have been the absence of that in the game, a rare absence, or maybe it was very difficult for you to execute some of those things. Or maybe it might have just been a bad day and you just got to take it on the chin and know that there's more for you to do. Right? So these are, th- I kind of did it in reverse in some ways. That is the ultimate step players need to have that in their arsenal you need to write this down and have that and then you can revert to that every so often right um and then if there's in the event of the scenario you have this war chest that you created of your own skills and abilities and then also it's down to how you interpret the scenario and then the next step from that is speaking with the coach and phrasing it in a way that shows that you're more appeasing to his philosophy rather than questioning your own ability. I hope that makes sense. Pretty much hit time, I believe. Let's see the time. Yep, imagine, smash that. Um, This probably might require more than one listen. (laughs) Take some time and and make a note. But this is a powerful episode, um, an empowering episode, so to speak. Especially for those players that are in that scenario. It's not an ideal one. It's not a great one to be in at all. However... 
it's important for you to navigate through this procedure um, the right way because you could inadvertently dig yourself a bigger um, grave. All right. So I hope this makes sense. And, you know, there's some players that are in great phases right now where you don't really need to. This is not very much applicable. But I hope this is something that you can do and, and um, implement in terms of at least having that war chest because that's going to be very useful for you. But you can equip yourself with this ability so that in the event that this ever happens, you've got the know-how and, and the wearable. Don't even know if that's a word. I've just heard it in another podcast before. But the wearable to, to handle it. Anyway, ladies and gents, um, over to next week, I believe. Take care and all the best.